I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Long before we know ourselves, our paths are already set in stone. Some may never figure out their purpose in life, and some will. There are a lot of us who are caught up in this hell we all live in, content with being blinded by rules and judgment. We live in a world where it's more okay to follow than to lead. In this world, being a leader is trouble for the system we are all accustomed to. Being a leader in this day and age is being a threat. Not many people stood up against the system we all call life. But toward the end of our first 10 years into the millennium, we heard a voice. A voice who was speaking to us from the underground for some time. A voice who spoke of vulnerabilities and other human emotions and issues never before heard so vividly and honest. This is the story of a young man who not only believed in himself, but his dreams too. This is the story of the man on the moon. Welcome back to another episode of the After the Storm podcast, episode three. And I once again have to start this episode the same way I started the last by just saying how thankful and grateful I am for everyone who's listened to the first couple episodes, responded, DM me, reached out. It's truly been overwhelming, honestly, the response. And if I could just share like a quick victory that has already happened through the creation of this dumb little podcast. Uh, one of my friends from college, I haven't seen this guy in like seven years, uh, reached out to me after the first episode, uh, just said how much he enjoyed it and that he missed hanging out with me and the, and the guys. And uh, this past weekend, we went out for my buddy's birthday and, uh, you know, our friend joined us and it was the first time we had seen him in seven years. And just the fact that this dumb little podcast could create that reunion is already enough for me to know that this was worth making. So uh, shout out, uh, Johnny, my boy. We're glad you're listening, man. Big shout out to you, bro. And also just the diversity in uh, of, of the show and where you guys have been listening to it. It's people listening to it during their workout and their morning commutes uh, during work hours at night. It's pretty cool that this kind of blends in into any time of your day or your schedule. That was kind of the idea, but it's cool to kind of see it play out uh, in that matter. And so with all that being said, uh, let's get right into what today's episode is going to be about. And so I know last week I did that segment about the weird high school trends and I did that because, you know, I want to make sure that this podcast isn't just serious all the time. I want it to be lighthearted and fun at times as well. But I also want to get back to the foundation and the roots of what this podcast is going to be about. And that is that I want this to be a platform for people to come on the show and tell their truths, tell their stories, and just talk about what's on their mind. And if there are two things that I like to spread with my time on this earth, it'd be positivity and great music. So today I want to set the table and explain how I'm working on myself. I want this to really be that platform for people to tell their truths and to be honest. So I need to set the precedence for that. And I figured that for people to have that confidence to come on the show and do their thing and, and speak their truth, that it'd be a great idea for someone to break the ice. And who better than me to break the ice on my own show? And so today is my story. I bring you a kid named Eddie. 
inspired by Kid Cudi and the monumental album Man on the Moon, which helps so many people, including myself, come to terms with the idea that it's okay to not be okay, and that human emotion comes in waves and that we need to learn to navigate it and feel free to express ourselves. Uh, Kid Cudi is one of the most impactful people that I've ever come across in my entire life, not just musically, but as a human as well. He's such an advocate for mental health and just such a free loving spirit and he makes incredible music. I'm blessed to say that I saw him in 2013 live floor seats, one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Incredible. And I look forward to seeing him again. But he continues to be impactful for, for me to this day. And that album, Man on the Moon, was impactful for me when I was in high school. And it means even more to me now today because I feel as though now the lyrics and the emotions that he generates through that album, I feel like I understand and relate to them a lot more now than I ever could have when I was a 17-year-old kid in high school. So the other day, I came across an article on Twitter by Spin Magazine, and the name of the article was The Kids That Cuddy Saved, which is a play on the idea that Kid Cudi's music has helped save the lives of so many uh, kids who struggled with depression and anxiety because he really showed that he, he showed these kids and these people that they weren't going through these battles alone, that he understood their feeling. And sometimes all you need to keep you going is to know that someone out there understands exactly how you feel. And so Cudi did that masterfully. And it, he was the first artist that I ever listened to that didn't speak so metaphorically about the struggles that he went through. He was just blatantly expressing how he felt. And I could sit here and talk about all my favorite Kid Cudi quotes, but we would be here for a very long time and we would never get to the purpose of the show. And so some of the highlighting things that I saw in the article that I thought was a bit alarming was that Cudi was quoted in saying that he deserved to have peace, that he deserved to be happy and be smiling. And that he felt like he gave so much of himself to others that he forgot to show himself love to. And I definitely feel like that's something that so many of us struggle with as well. Uh, I know that I struggle with it sometimes and I try to give myself to other people and be there for them without really focusing or taking the time to, to work on myself so that I can be the best version of myself for them when they need that. And so that was really alarming and that really hit close to home. And the other thing that I found really interesting from the article was that it really dives into the idea of music being therapeutic and how it's proven to help people feel good and induce these happy moods. It may not be a cure for all of our problems, but it can definitely help improve our individual mood and can encourage connection and self-expression. And uh, if we could just take those moments where music can help us heal then eventually we will arrive at a point where we feel good enough to take that next step and start working on ourselves and see the light at the end of the tunnel. As our hero seems to be dreaming in peace, a dark chapter unfolds, throwing Scott into the most eerie and unstable part of his imagination. So intense he cannot tell his dreams from reality. This is the rise of the night Jews. And so that voice you heard at the beginning was common and that comes straight out of the Man in the Moon album and it's off the first track and I put that in there because I wanted it to kind of 
be the opener for this episode so that it can fit that same mold and and follow that same theme of just this journey of someone who uh, has gone through a lot in their lives and is trying to still figure themselves out and find the answers so that they can be the best version of themselves. So I thought that was a great narration and a great way to start the episode today. And so now that we got the cutty part out of the way, I do want to set a quick disclaimer before we start the episode. And so as many of you know, uh, my friend and a friend to many of the people who listen to this podcast, uh, Yandi Chirino, he passed away uh, in October. And it continues to be this incredibly humbling event. It shows how fragile life is and that spending too much time dwelling on insignificant things and dumb fights with people you care about, it just seemed like wasted time. And his death was just another reminder to not live in fear and to take the risk that you feel you need to take to enhance your life. And just the same, it's also a reminder to put the plan in motion that'll help you arrive at a mental headspace where you feel prepared to live up to your full potential and have the energy to continue to move forward. And so anytime that I find myself at a crossroads or whether or not I want to take a leap of faith or do something that I feel might be risky but impactful, I think of those who no longer have that opportunity to decide that. So today, I share my story. A story of vulnerability and some of the most trying times in my life. The ways I persevered over them and how I'm still learning from them today. And we often define being in our prime as a reference to our appearance and physical shape. But I don't think you truly reach your prime until later in your life, when you've acquired the necessary knowledge and experience to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly become. And so I'm choosing to take these lessons and experiences that I've gone through over the years as lessons that will define who I am today and allow me to build the foundation for the message that I want to put out into the world. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Eddie, and I'll be your host and guide through this journey of self-acknowledgement, life, and of course, music. I don't use the term depression lightly. Being depressed is debilitating and it can suck away all the energy you have and leave you in a rut with seemingly no answer or end in sight. You do everything that you can. You try new things and nothing seems to work. You're just stuck. And in my life, I can pinpoint five times where I feel like I reached depression. Some forms were worse than others, but I definitely feel like I arrived there in one way or another. Now, I'm not saying this with the intention of creating some sob story about my life, but rather to describe the emotions that I went through, what led to them, and how I recovered and persevered. And of course, this story would not be mine unless I incorporated the soundtracks that helped me navigate some of these moments in my life. So I start with one of my favorite songs of all time, a song of hope and change. 
I'd put this in my top 10, if not my five favorite, uh, most impactful songs of all time. The song is A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke. One of the most beautiful songs ever written. And if you're going through it, these lyrics may hit close to home. It's been a long time coming, but I know a change is gonna come. Here's A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke. Let me take you back to 2007, the first time that I can ever remember being depressed. I was straight out of middle school heading to high school and that's a really defining moment for a lot of us in our lives. 
Uh, it can be scary, especially if you're going to a school where you don't know anyone. And that was exactly my situation. I went to West Miami Middle School and I was originally assigned to go to South Miami High School. And I would have been there with a lot of the people that I went to middle school with. So it would have been a much more comforting experience than the one I actually ended up having. So I ended up going to Ronald Reagan High, which was this young upstart school. It didn't even have seniors at the time that one year that I went. And I can honestly say that those first five days of my time at Ronald Reagan High were some of the most difficult days I ever had in my entire high school career. Uh, I was at a new school. I was leaving my friends behind. I was scared of the unknown and I was just not happy with the idea of having to make new friends and leaving my old ones behind. And of course, we're in high school and I don't have a car. I don't have the accessibility to just see these people all the time. So this is this crazy monumental moment in my life. At least it was in my head. I was dumb and young and insecure about a lot of things. And I remember just going to that school, hating everyone that I saw, resenting people and not being able to acclimate to the culture. Uh, it was Colombians and Venezuelans. And where I came from, it was Cubans and more Central Americans. And that was kind of the culture that I came from. And a lot of these kids that were in the school went to like Doral Middle School or other middle schools together. So they knew each other. They had their packs and I was the outsider. And it was very difficult for me to make friends, which in retrospect is crazy to believe because I ended up becoming one of the most outgoing people that you'll ever meet. But that was a crazy, crazy time in my life. And I remember just being stressed all the time. It was the first time I had ever gone anywhere, had to do something where I hated it yeah i mean don't get me wrong nobody liked waking up to go to school in elementary and middle school but it was at least you knew you got to see your friends and and you got to be in an environment around people that you liked being around this was completely new and i kind of internally refused i was being a brat i refused to like anyone that i went to school with and i remember i just ended up lashing out and just being such an awful kid I lashed out at my mother and it's the only time in my relationship with my mom that I can ever remember being disrespectful to her. My mother is my rock. She's my everything. She's so supportive of me and I love her dearly. She is the sweetest, most kindest, uh, just warm hearted woman that you'll ever meet. But that was such a rough time for me and I was such a, I was so awful. I remember and to this day, it's one of the biggest regrets I've ever had. Um, I remember I even called my mom a bitch during that time. And it's the only time that I ever said it, that I will ever say it. And it was a lesson that I'll take with me to the grave. Um, and it was difficult. And aside from that, I was fighting with my brother at home. Uh, and just I had all these issues. And I just I wasn't doing well in school either. I didn't care for my grades. I didn't care to be in class. I just had no motivation to do anything. Um, and in retrospect, like doing poorly that freshman year really had long lasting effects because those grades affected the schools that I was able to get into uh, after my senior year. And so that right there showed you the repercussions of what a shitty year that was for me and man i just refused to make friends and i was resenting these people for no reason and i vividly remember like listening to motown records to kind of help boost my mood like the temptations and otis redding and 
the OJs and all these artists because it's pretty hard to be in a bad mood uh, when you listen to these artists. And uh, I think I might have watched like, I don't know, remember the Titans one day they sang Ain't No Man High Enough and I just went on this tangent, you know, and went on this rabbit hole of Motown music. And that kind of helped me get through those difficult times. But at that time, I was I was too young to comprehend the lasting effects of these emotions. And I really didn't realize that they would lead to trauma responses later in my life. Uh, I would cry myself to sleep sometimes because I didn't want to go to school the next day. Uh, I would set these expectations that every quarter of the semester that I, I would magically find a way to convince my mom to transfer me to another school because I really hated it there. And at the end of it, I might have made like three, four friends that entire time that I was there. Um, and so that was a really, really difficult time. And I was too young to really understand that I was going through it. You know, I feel like I maybe I thought I was just sad or uh you know, just going through something but i didn't comprehend the idea of being depressed and how could i i was what 15 years old who understands that at that point you're way too young to to really even comprehend or the the magnitude of being depressed and it wasn't until very recently where i kind of looked back at that moment and realized that that was the initial time where I was going through it the the first time that I was really struggling through anxiety and things like that but I had repressed those memories and because I wasn't as educated about depression and anxiety I there was no way for me to know that that's what I was going through uh, and looking back I really set the foundation for a lot of things but I was young and like I said it's so so hard to comprehend and take control of those feelings you just you don't know any better but eventually i was able to kind of fix things at home uh i never disrespected my mother the rest of that year obviously she knew i was frustrated and god bless her heart she helped me find a solution and eventually i was able to transfer to coral park the next year where i would meet the majority of my lifelong friends that i still hang out with today and i'm so grateful for the opportunity that she gave me to do that because she didn't have to do that uh, you know it was her right to just leave me there and you know let me deal with it but she saw what i was going through and she just couldn't bear to stand it and she really you know helped me and i i'm so thankful for it um i can't imagine my life if i hadn't made that move to coral park and met the people that i know today and the people that i met secondhandly from these people it's just well, my life would have been so different and i'm not sure that the path that i would have gone uh through if i had stayed in that school i'm not sure that i would have been a good one for me so super thankful for that but man that was a really difficult time for me and i could definitely pinpoint that as the the first time that i ever felt truly depressed now the second time i felt depressed is i feel very relatable for a lot of people i think this is one that most of the most of us have gone through this was a heartbreak my first first heartbreak now this is 2011 my senior year of high school at coral park and i had had some girlfriends here and there nothing crazy uh i think my longest relationship up to that point was maybe like two months three months it was you know no, nothing to nothing dram traumatic that ever you know had a long lasting effect on me i think 
But this was the first time that I ever actually felt like it was more than just a crush or more than just some like attraction. Now, this is a very famous story amongst my group of friends. And of course, I will always leave names out. But, you know, if you know, if you know your involvement in the story, then you know your involvement in the story. Essentially, uh, I had someone who was into me and I wasn't into her. And then I guess through that perseverance and just time, I eventually started to like this person. And it was almost like this crazy topsy to everything because for a while she was up and I was down. And then we started to gradually meet in the middle and then bang, we were in it for for a little while there. We were actually like feeling each other and, you know, dating and, and it was fun. And it was the first time that I ever started to really develop those like extra feelings, you know, something a little more than like, definitely wouldn't call it love, but it was that extra nudge, right? And then naturally, as I arrived at that point where I kind of saw eye to eye with this person, she started to kind of falter away and kind of started to drift apart from this relationship or potential relationship. And I didn't understand why. And the lesson that I learned from this was that you cannot dwell over things that are out of your control because I blamed myself for why that didn't work out. And it was the first time that I ever felt heartbreak. And it was to this day is the foundation and, you know, the, the precedence for how I handle relationships. It's crazy how much trauma from your past can still affect you to this day. Uh, and of course you get over it, but certain elements of, of it still stick. And it was a, such a difficult time in my life. And then you're leaving high school to go to college. But the thing is, you know, if you're in the same friend group, then you still kind of see everything that goes along in this person's life. So that was really difficult for me because I really just, I didn't understand like what I had done and I started to blame myself. But looking back and I didn't realize it at the time, even though people would constantly tell me that, that none of this was my fault. I had nothing to do with it and it was out of my hands. But in that time, you kind of tell yourself you convince yourself otherwise because you're looking for answers and you're looking for a way to fix things and and get back into you know the potential of what could have been and I, the, another factor that went with it was that not only was i losing this person but i was losing one of my good friends and uh you know during that time period we went through at least like a two maybe three year period where like we were just not cool with each other and I, we would lash out at each other and then I would in turn like displace that onto other people. And I honestly believe that, you know, that uh, I kind of became a bit of an asshole during that time because of what I was going through. And so it was difficult, but I remember being depressed, sad, just no energy to do anything. I'm 18, 19 years old going to college. The world is my oyster. I have everything ahead of me, but yet I felt so useless and I felt worthless and it was a terrible feeling that I hoped that I would never experience again and it was rough I remember there was a one of the craziest things I ever did was it had been months since we had you know stopped talking and I 
even though I did nothing wrong, I still wrote this like apology letter to this person and drove to their apartment and like left it on like the windshield of their car. Just abnormal behavior. Awful. But I didn't know how to respond at that time. This was the first time I'd ever gone through anything like that. And I I don't know. I just I I didn't I didn't comprehend the idea of like heartbreak and like moving on at that time. And I learned very late. Or I guess I mean I'm sure there were other people that had dealt with that kind of stuff before, but you know that was my first experience with it. And if it wasn't for the heart to hearts and like the conversations that I had with like close friends and the fact that they kept me sane during that time, like it could have been way worse. But your first heartbreak, there's nothing quite like it, and I'm sure that a lot of us have experienced it. And it's just crazy how someone can make you feel a certain way, like you're not in control of your own mind, your own emotion, your body. It's it's wild, wild, wild. And so that it took me quite some time to get over. I, I would say that this whole thing started like in March of February, no, sorry, March of 2011. And I wasn't over it till like sometime in 2012. And I wasn't over it until... Uh, I remember exactly when Frank Ocean released Channel Orange, one of the just landmark albums of my upbringing, my life. And to this day, just like Man on the Moon, one of the most impactful albums for me. And it's crazy how healing music can be because that album just helped me see things in a completely different light. And I would be remiss if I did not go into channel orange and just play a song for you guys just to disrupt this whole depression thing you know just just for a little bit uh so what better song to play than lost a song that has kind of jumped back into the uh the charts because of tiktok and instagram and whatnot and it's another one of those songs that like is very poppy and upbeat but the message behind it is kind of sad um and i i have a a crazy appreciation for songs like that but what a time that was and i look back on it and unfortunately that relationship would set the kind of foundation for how my dating life would go throughout like my 2010s um but we'll get into that after uh we listen to lost by frank ocean so here we go Triple weight, couldn't wait the love I got for the girl. And I just wanna know why you ain't going to work. Boss ain't working you like this. He can't take care of you like this. Now you're lost, lost in the heat of it all. I don't really wish I don't 
So 2011 and 2012 happened, and believe it or not, there's a long gap between that and this next story. Now, not to say that the years between 2012 and 2019 didn't come without its fair share of sad moments. You know, I went through uh, breakups during that time and, and loss and a lot of things happened during that period of time, but I would say that the majority of my 2010s, I spent having a good time, having fun, really being the best version of myself and kind of just, I don't know, thriving, I guess would be the word and building some of the most important relationships that uh, I carry with me to this day. So a lot happened during that period of time, but nothing that I would pinpoint as a truly depressing uh, moment or uh, moments of true adversity for me. Um, unfortunately, as I was saying before we got into loss, I will say that uh, the effects of that initial heartbreak really did set that foundation for how my dating life would go on from there. It took me a long time to uh, try to date or like really get into someone like even my my longest relationship which was uh two two and a half years and it was with you know somebody who ended up becoming like my best friend um but even with her it took me six months to get over that initial hump of casually dating you know before we officially became 
official and that just had to do with me and just that fear of not wanting to ever feel like I did that first time and not wanting to be left or not wanting to uh to relate to the feelings that someone felt for me only for them to pull away just when I started to care for them more you know what I mean and so it was it was scary and that's something that to this day can still be scary for me and and, and I'm sure for other people as well um but we move on past all those years and we arrive at 2019 story number three i felt lost and no pun intended to the song that we just heard but I really did feel lost. I spent the majority of uh, my 2010s, the majority of my 20s working in the industry and in the restaurant business. And anyone who worked in that industry will tell you how quickly time passes by when you're working there. And the stress, the high level stress and the toll that it takes on your mind and your body, it's you don't you don't realize it until you get a moment to step aside from it and and experience a new career so for me and i'm sure so many of my restaurant friends shout out pf changs uh we went through these same traumas and it was just shitty morale it was not a great place to be not always a great place to work even in terms of money but a lot of us we started young and we became accustomed to walking out with money in hand the same day that we worked and we can kind of control our hours we could work doubles we could work a night shift we could work weekends and we kind of had an idea of how much money we'd be making and a lot of us made you know more money there than we would have made in an office job or doing something that we studied for so it's easy to become comfortable in that industry and you don't realize how fast time passes and until you step away from that you you don't understand that you have normalized this idea of just how stressful that industry is you know you really think that every job is like that for for a while but the place where i worked it was just so toxic and not really anything to do with the people that i worked with i honestly love the people that i worked with uh, so many great people many of which i don't really talk to that much anymore but you know we're still on instagram and a lot of you guys have even reached out to me over this podcast and that's fucking great i miss you guys i love you guys wherever you are all of you i hope you're doing well and i hope that you can relate to this little part of the podcast here but those were tough times and they would really lead you down some like pretty shitty roads because you'd work late nights and then what would you do you'd go across the the street and go have drinks at another bar and then you're getting home and like your routine, your schedule are all messed up. You're, you're a night owl. You can't sleep. And th- there just weren't a lot of benefits to it. I remember if I worked at night, I would, I'd would i be too lazy to do anything, anything in the morning. If I worked in the morning, I'd be too lazy to want to do anything at night. Or I would struggle to sleep because I would hate having to go to sleep knowing that the next thing I have to do was get ready for work. I hated walking into work for so much of my time there. And... Uh, 
I was in and out of that job for a long time. It was always something safe. You know, if I went and tried something else and that didn't work out, I could always go back there. And I think that was another thing was that I was complacent there. And at some point I had tenure basically. And, you know, I could get away with almost anything because, you know, they were lacking people to work for them and just a lot. So I had worked there while I was also going to school. And I graduated 2017, December 2017, uh, with a bachelor's in journalism. And I had hoped that that would be the answer to all my problems, that I could now leave the restaurant industry and go do something else with my time. But it never happened. I never got that opportunity to, to really dive into that industry. And it was sad because to this day, I still love writing. And so what did I do? I stayed in the restaurant biz and I just dealt with it more. I got a favorable schedule and all that, but I, st- I didn't care to be there. It was awful. And so we fast forward to June of 2019. And I, so this, this the story of depression has two factors it has the first factor that i've just gone over that i feel stuck not only because of the job that i'm in but because the city that i'm in no longer has anything from to offer to me so many of my friends that had lived here and made and had made this place so entertaining are now scattered across the country doing their own thing or you know working on their careers or whatever so it became it wasn't the same city that i grew up in and aside from that I meet a girl, of course, uh, and it was the first girl that I truly tried to date since uh, my ex, who is my best friend, Michelle. I love you, Michelle. Uh, and so I had these two factors go on at the same time. And this relationship, it didn't work out. But this person also ended up being a great friend of mine. And if you're listening, I love you. No, no hard feelings. But I do have to say this part of the story as well because it's it's part of how, you know, what what drove me to feel this way during that period of time. Um, so, from the months of June to October, you know, I felt fine, and then all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, I just felt lost, and I felt like I hadn't made the progress as the person that I had wanted to make. So. I needed to, I needed to do something drastic. <laughs> and so what did I do? I moved to Tampa because I had hit this point, man, where like I didn't feel like myself and I felt like life was really passing me by. So with this failed potential relationship and then this job that was just getting me nowhere and being where I was at in in my career, what I wanted out of my career, I needed to do something drastic and so I leave. I moved to Tampa. Luckily one of my best friends lived up there and we had this plan and I got really excited about it and it, honestly I could say that it really ended up being a good idea at first. I really felt like I had made the right choice. It wasn't like I was going to Tampa with this great career uh, you know that I was I was chasing there. I was essentially just transferring restaurants. I was going to the you know this new one and was just going to do it for a lifestyle change and maybe see if a new environment could really help inspire me more. It was the first time that I could ever remember feeling like I wasn't myself. And it was crazy because it, it came out of nowhere. 
I I hadn't felt that ever. And I think it was because during my 20s, nothing really mattered because I was living really day to day, right? I wasn't really focused on that bigger picture. And I think that during that period of time, I was probably becoming a bit intolerable to some of my friends because I was doing that classic thing where you're just displacing on other people. And I hated myself for that because the last thing I want to be is an asshole to the people closest to me. But I just didn't know how to react to uh, these feelings, these newfound insecurities that I was going through. I, you know, I made the move. I went to Tampa and as I said, it wasn't it wasn't a terrible idea. It, it really got me out of that rut that I was in. And of course, then 2020 happens and 2021, which I can easily say was mostly terrible for a lot of people for a lot of reasons uh obviously the pandemic and you know having to be at home so much and just a lot of fears of just not being sure what tomorrow is going to be like and so i arrive in tampa february of 2020 the pandemic starts march of 2020 and it's <laughs> just just my fucking luck right i never gave that city the opportunity that it really deserved i i never got to uh, just enjoy it and it was the first time that i was out of the confines of my home in miami and even when i lived on my own in miami i always lived close to my parents and to friends so i always had that comfort and easy access to people around me but this gave me the opportunity to finally be on my own and be free and you know be more independent and i'm grateful for that because those first couple months i really locked in i started focusing on my health i was cooking more i was going to the gym i got into the best shape that i've ever been in in my life and i was comfortable being alone i had no problem even though i couldn't see this city that i moved to it was great and i always saw tampa as a stepping stone towards the next step where i would move to a long-term city like Austin, Texas or somewhere like that. I never imagined coming back to Miami, at least not so soon. But those first couple of months were fine. And then slowly but surely, we arrive in November of 2020. And by that point, I think I had, I think I had just, I was worn out. And I feel like a lot of us were too, but I was definitely worn out at that point uh career-wise still was not where i wanted to be i was working freelance and taking up a lot of my time i was working super late nights and early late days just to like you know make some money and and whatnot i had money saved but you know obviously you always want to see an income but career-wise was not where i wanted to be um i started feeling homesick and missing the people at home and the fact that i couldn't really do much in tampa that didn't help either and I, then I just became a lazy piece of shit and I stopped going to the gym. I started eating shitty. I started, you know, resorting to really negative vices. And so this next part is one of the things that really led to the, the heights of my depression. And I would say that this was probably the worst of any of the five that I have felt. Um, so during that time, I was really bored a lot of the time and, and, nothing that i do would make me feel anything i didn't have the energy to date i wasn't really communicating and being the best version of myself with my friends i wasn't doing anything creatively i stopped going to the gym i had nothing in that time that that i felt was going for me 
and I just didn't have the energy for anything. So what did I do? I started to, I had always, so I had always casually gambled, right? And uh, big into sports and I would always throw some money here, there, whatever, nothing big. But during that time, I would take it too far sometimes. And I feel like I was, that was like my biggest negative vice is, you know, I, I resorted to gambling so that I could feel something so that I could have a sense of excitement, uh, during a sporting event or something. Cause I didn't want to leave my couch. I didn't want to do anything. So I'm watching, you know, games and with a little bit of money on the line, you know, you, you're kind of invested in it. And of course, gambler's fallacy, you lose money and then you think to yourself like, oh, I want it back or uh, let me double down. Let me break even. doesn't always happen that way. I hate to break it to you. And so that was a really difficult time for me. And uh, it was hard because I feel like once you kind of get into that or like anything that can be potentially addictive, it's hard to take a step back and, and tell yourself to stop because you're just kind of in it. Thankfully, eventually I was able to stop, but you know, some damage had been done for sure. And honestly, that's the first time that I've ever really said that out loud to a lot of people. You know, I've shared it maybe one or two people before, but I had never really said that out loud. But I feel like this is, uh, I wouldn't be doing this show justice and any of what I'm saying justice if I wasn't really explaining my full truth and, uh, you know, describing what led me to feel the way that I felt. And so aside from that, and all the things I did not have going for me, um, you know, I remember I would ask friends, you know, to like come visit and it was still a really difficult time because of COVID and travel and and all that. So I understood, you know, it, it was hard. But, you know, I remember I had one of my friends came to visit me around like February. And just as just as a friend, a friend visit and I just I wasn't myself that weekend and I hate that because you know if somebody comes to visit me like I want to be a host I want to do all these fun things but I just didn't have that energy and I regretted it but I mean what could I have really done at that point I I just wasn't feeling like myself and the last thing was that I wasn't comfortable I wasn't happy in the the living space that me and my roommate had so fortunately we would move to a bigger place and then an even bigger place after that so those movings actually kind of really helped get me back up but for a while it was really really in a rut and i felt far from home and the cherry on top was that my dearest best friend who you know loved to death moved to hawaii which had always been her dream and i went with her a cross-country road trip went to hawaii and Saying goodbye, that was one of the hardest things that I ever had to do because even though that was still my person, you know, and my best friend, not having them, you know, that accessible, that three, three and a half hour drive from Tampa to Miami, not having them that accessible and now them being, you know, five hour difference on an island off the coast of the country, it's, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot for me, but I had to overcome that stuff. And so, you know, I tried to do things differently. You know, we moved and and then I, you know, I went to spend time with my family, with my brother who lived a little bit north or, or south, actually, of where I lived. Spent some time with my nieces and nephews and, you know, it kind of revitalized me a little bit. 
And then all of that leads me into the fifth story, uh, the fifth and final story that kind of arrives us to this point and explains the why of why I am doing this podcast and this specific episode. So June of 2021, I'm homesick. And so I make a quick visit to Miami. It's supposed to be just a weekend. I arrive on a Thursday. I'm going to leave Sunday or Monday. I'm working remote. So really, you know, I could stay as long as I want, but I had no intentions of staying in Miami longer. And I wanted to make sure that uh got back to Tampa in time and yada, yada. So I come to Miami and within two days of being back in Miami, I immediately start to feel homesick and I had to kind of stop myself and ask myself like, no, like, why am I feeling this way? Because I did not want to just come back to Miami to do it because I felt homesick because I did not want my time in Tampa to go in vain. I didn't want to feel like I just quit on it for no reason. And so those three, four days turned into like a week and a half. And during that time, one of my best friends uh, brought up this job opportunity at this marketing agency in Coral Gables. And at this point, I had no intentions of moving back to Miami. So this really wasn't something that I was looking to do. But I thought to myself, you know what? Why not? So I do the interview and it went great and i then find myself at this crossroads where i went from like uh you know let me see how it goes to now hoping that i get this job and from the interview to the next couple days it was all great did the interview on a tuesday got the job on friday and just like that one weekend in miami turned to me moving back but with an opportunity to move forward. So that was this huge, huge moment. And I finally felt like I had that breakthrough because when I arrived in Miami, I was still pretty sad. I was still kind of going through it. And I'm so thankful for that opportunity that I had to to take that interview, take that job and and come back home uh, just to experience this place completely differently. And so that leads into the story where during that same time period, right, I'm adjusting to what life in Miami is going to be like. I'm, I don't have to return until September because that's when we go back into the office. So I know that I still have time in Tampa. You know, hopefully I can experience some things there that I hadn't experienced yet. The same time, right, I have some stuff going on in my dating life and No, things are finally starting to come together for me. The pieces of the puzzle are together, right? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to come back to Miami and I'm finally going to have that routine that I so desperately needed, that routine that I did not have. And one of the main reasons why I was driven away from Miami in the first place. Dating life is going well, Uh, work, you know, I, I have this great job in Coral Gables. And then I would say from June and July, I was at a high probably some of the happiest two months that I had had in, I don't know, in years, maybe since like 2018 or 19. And then August comes around and as life will have it, all the pieces of the puzzle that I had together started to just crumble apart 
break away. I lost the pieces and they were under the couch never to be found again. And that became difficult because at that point I was already committed to this job. And don't get me wrong, I love the job. The actual job had nothing to do with any of the the fears or anxieties that I started to develop during that time. But this idea that I had built to come back to Miami was no longer there. Uh, the dating aspect started falling apart uh, for reasons that were really out of both of our control. And that that's okay. And then the work aspect, we were supposed to go back to the office uh, in September. And then that got pushed back to October. Eventually, that got pushed back to January. And then that got pushed back to February. And then finally, in March, we went back to the office. But you can see it was a long time coming. And so between that and then the anxieties of coming back home and fearing that I would resent this place because I I didn't I didn't like where I left it and I didn't want to feel like I was coming back here just as just because I was feeling scared or that I wasn't happy where I was before and there was a lot to overcome and during that period when I moved back in uh, early September late August I I really struggled and the first like three months that I was here it was crazy the pace that I was at was crazy I must have been home maybe three or four nights during that three month span I was literally looking for any reason to not be at home to not be cornered in four walls whether it be going to a bar or going to a friend's house or uh, staying over somewhere just Anything that I could do to occupy my time to make sure that I wasn't spending a night at home, I would do. And obviously, that's incredibly unsustainable. And during that time, I found myself reaching out to a lot of friends when, for the longest time, I had been the one that people would reach out to whenever they were going through things. But now the tables had turned, and now I was the one reaching out to them. And the conversation got tired. And I started to be, feel like I was becoming a burden to these people. Like I was hijacking their their days, their lives, and just putting all of my shit on them. And it was it was difficult. You know, I was waking up anxious a lot of the time, uh, going to sleep anxious, and just having these really uncomfortable mornings. Days where I would be at work and I just didn't have the energy to to do anything. And you're at home, so it's not like you have that that office to kind of get that out of you. Um, you're in your four walls. So it was rough. And I did a lot of impulsive things, made a lot of questionable judgment calls. But this was a period that I think will be defining uh, for me going forward. And I think this was one of those moments that the way I was able to persevere, it was through time. And there wasn't any eureka moment or one one specific thing that I did to help me shake out of this this funk that I had when coming back. Now, thankfully, I have finally found this routine and going back to work in the office a couple of times a week is great. And doing this and being able to express myself creatively and going back to the gym, all of these things are really helping me uh, get back to the person that I know that I can be and being that best version of myself. Do I still have things to work on? Absolutely. Am I still a friend, an asshole to some of my friends sometimes? I'm sure that I am. And to any of you that are listening to this and that made it this far, I apologize for that. And I know that I haven't always been the best version of myself these past couple of years. And I never meant to 
have any of you guys be in that crossfire. And if I ever lashed out at you for something significant, something dumb, just know that I apologize. That wasn't me. That's not who I want to be. And that, you know, I care and love each of you very deeply. But yeah, during this time, I've tried to do so many different things, uh, you know, like reading, uh, do it doing different things traveling more um running a a fucking half marathon which i never thought i would do in my entire life uh but just challenging myself and making sure that i'm doing those things that make me feel like me and there have been a lot of people that have been very significant to me during this time and you will hear some of them on this uh podcast going forward i will make sure that you you guys know who you are you'll be on here i don't want to spoil the surprise for people but if you're listening to this and and you know that you're the one of those people that have really impacted me and really helped me get through this difficult time i i can't say thank you enough you guys know who you are anyone that i've ever had a conversation with about things that has been there to listen to me all that that kind of stuff that has offered me advice and suggested even suggested therapy and, and and anything like that i I can't thank you guys enough. It's it's truly humbling to have that many people on your side, um, even when you feel like you don't have anybody, because that's a common feeling. I've definitely felt alone plenty of the time, but I know that deep down I'm not. And so we arrive at this moment here, and can I say that uh, I'm fully the best version of myself? Am I happy? Fully happy? I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go that far. But have I made strides and have I arrived at a place where I have more energy to do things and 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 I feel like I'm arriving at a point where I'm starting to become that version of myself that I truly truly love? I would say yes. So, if you've made it this far, I can't thank you enough for bearing through this and I know that a lot of this was hard to listen to and you know, it was just me kind of ranting about my life and whatnot. But I hope that this truly is an icebreaker for some of you to reach out and to decide to come on this show and, and, and share your truth. And you don't have to share your life story like I did, obviously. You don't have to tell me about point A to point B to point C. No, anything you want to talk about, anything real, of course, you're welcome to come on here. We can always shoot this shit as well. But it's been a rough couple years and we're still working on it every single day. So with all that being said, there was another point that I wanted to make. So uh, life is so often about perseverance and the way that you respond to that adversity. So I say, if you're in need of a response, respond like Henry Richard. If you don't know who Henry Richard is, Henry Richard just ran the Boston Marathon on Monday. 2013, Henry's eight-year-old brother, Martin, was killed during the Boston bombing uh, that, that took place during the marathon that year. Henry, 20 years old, decided to run that race in honor of his brother. And if you've ever... I mean, if you just hear 26.2 miles of marathon, it it already sounds taxing. And the physical toll that it puts on your body and the training that goes into it. 
And so to persevere and to do that so selflessly for somebody else in honor of someone that hasn't been on this planet for now nine years, it's, it's one of the greatest responses to adversity that I've ever seen. That's courage, that's strength, that's determination. That is how you respond to the worst adversity that you could possibly have. I really believe that a lot of people are successful from a trauma that they experienced. It's a drive that takes them to those limits. But if we're not able to stop our addiction to this success, we're never going to be able to heal from the reason why we started in the first place. So just make sure you're taking care of yourself and that you're doing the things that you're doing for the right reasons. Don't be super impulsive and just make crazy moves or, or something completely life-changing just because you feel like it's going to heal all of your issues and make you feel like you again. It's not always the answer to all of your problems so just be very wary and and don't jump to any conclusions on any of these big life decisions and so as we arrive at the end of another episode man if you made it through this one bless your heart thank you so much for powering through listening to it i like i said man really hope that this is that driving factor that leads some of you to reach out and and say, you know, that you want to be on the show and, and, and tell your truth. I can't say that enough. And so, of course, this wouldn't be the podcast if I didn't leave you with one final song. And although the first two songs I gave you weren't Kid Cudi related, I have to leave you with one. And it's one that I'm sure that almost all of you know. But it's something that is so relatable to what I spoke about today and it's describes a path a journey that all of us are on no matter how happy or sad we are we're all on this same journey and that is towards the pursuit of happiness I hope y'all have the greatest day the greatest tomorrow and the greatest next day uh, as always make sure to tell somebody you love them and here is Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi. I will see all of you next time. Peace. Crush a bit, little bit, roll it up, take a hit, feeling lit, feeling like 2 a.m. summer night. I don't care, hand on the wheel, driving drunk, I'm doing my thing. Rolling the mid beside him now, living my life, getting our dreams. People told me slow my road, I'm screaming out, fuck that. I'ma do just what I want Looking ahead, no turning back If I fall, if I die Know I lived it to the fullest If I fall, if I die Know I lived in missing bullets I'm on the pursuit of happiness And I know everything is shining on Sweats waking up to the sky Tell me what you know about dreams
just dreams Tell me what you know about night terrors Nothing You don't really care about the trials of tomorrow Rather lay awake in the bed full of sorrow I'm on the pursuit of happiness And I know everything is shining on